Welcome to the Dome Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Matt DeBritz. Merry New Year. Don't get that reference? Simply Happy New Year to you. As 2021 comes to a close, I got a little bit of reflection on the Dome Dog Podcast. I started this podcast last February. February 1st was the first published Dome Dog Podcast. I know some of you may not have heard that one. I'm going to publish them all onto Podbean, Spotify, and all the different uh, platforms, so just haven't got there just yet. But it was following the January 31st game versus NC State. Um, during the games, a lot of times, my brothers and I would text back and forth. I would be talking out loud, and I just decided at that one point that I was going to start this podcast, and I just sat down and did it. I had no plan. I had really no idea how to publish a podcast except knew I needed audio, uh, what music I was going to use, any of those things I didn't know, but I just sat down and did it. And it took a while to get into a groove and a rhythm, and I started doing more shows and adding more things and doing different types of podcasts where I would have people on a show with me, mostly my family. It was like a Zoom call, kind of like a live radio show. I tried a lot of different things so far. I want to try a lot more coming up in this next year. But I just wanted to thank people for supporting me. My wife, Christine, for supporting me the whole way, saying, do it, you know, get the, the podcast done. My, my brother, Fritz, a.k.a. Mike DeBritz, who uh, helped me with a lot of the business end stuff, logos and whatnot. Uh, Dr. James, big sponsor of the show and supporter. My sister, Kathy, who upgraded the studio by getting me better equipment with a microphone. And countless others who have participated in the Facebook pages. I appreciate everyone even if you listen to just one episode, or this is the 40th episode right now. Thanks for listening. So I'm going to break down the show in a few ways. First, I want to talk about the year 2021 for Syracuse as a program, the summer in 2021, and then what's happened so far in this season. I'm going to talk about the Christmas presents I asked Syracuse for, and I'll look ahead to the Syracuse-Virginia game that comes on New Year's Day at six o'clock. When I started the podcast, Syracuse stormed back against NC State. They were losing most of the game and they won the game. And I think that was a turning point for the team because I know it's hard to remember last year because a lot's gone on in the world with COVID and everything else and years kind of blend together. But Syracuse just didn't look great last year at a lot of points, right? And they beat NC State, then they get hammered by Clemson. They beat NC State again. They kind of run up and down team in the whole season. You didn't know if games would be made up. They they find their way to the NCAA tournament. They hammer San Diego State, a team that everyone thought was a good team, but they couldn't handle the Syracuse zone. Then they beat West Virginia, which was a three seed. San Diego State was a six seed. They got stopped by Houston in the Sweet 16. It was still a good run, and... I think people were feeling good about the program again after that Sweet 16 run because what's kind of happened in the last few years, Jim Beheim seems have not been great teams, but they seem to get in the NCAA tournament and they make noise, right? And this team looked like they had promise because they had pretty much a young team. The only senior on the team was Marek Dolajais. Sorry to see him go. He could have stayed another year because of COVID, but he decided to move on. So the team was going to have a good core coming back, right? No, wrong. They didn't. Because of COVID, guys could transfer freely, meaning players could transfer to other schools 
and not sit out a season. They could play right away. First guy to decide to leave was Kadari Richmond. If you listen to the Dome Dog podcast at all in the last year, you know I've talked about Kadari Richmond a ton. He decided to go to Seton Hall. He was the backup point guard on the team last year. Really good distributor, good driver, not the greatest shooter. He's doing pretty good at Seton Hall. Sometimes he has some bad games, sometimes good. I thought he would be a great addition to the Syracuse team coming back, but supposedly Jim Beheim and, and Richmond had a conversation. Richmond didn't like it. He thought he should start this year. Beheim said, can't guarantee that, so Richmond left. The next guy to leave was Robert Braswell. He decided to go to Charlotte. Uh, he wasn't a starter last year. He may have started on this team this year, can't tell, but he was coming on towards the end of the season last year. Good shooter from the outside, good length in the zone. I thought he was making progress and decided to stay, but he left. Then Quincy Gurrier decided to dip his toe in NBA waters. He went to the training camps. He didn't get good feedback. And instead of coming back to Syracuse, he decided to go to Oregon. Now, I thought losing Gurrier was a huge loss. Third team, all ACC, pretty much average a double-double. Gave maximum effort, was getting better at guarding bigger players. Could move very well in the zone. Athletic. I just thought he would get better. Supposedly, he wanted to shoot more from the outside. Because coming into Syracuse, that's kind of how he played. He played more on the perimeter. But Beheim didn't want him to. And I don't know for sure if that's the reason that he left. But it has to be part of it. So he plays at Oregon now. Gurrier has struggled at times at Oregon, but he's put together some nice games lately, so I'm hoping he does a little bit better soon. Alan Griffin decided that he was going to go pro, I think because he fell out of favor with Jim Beheim. All AC honorable mention, athletic guy, could light up the scoreboard at times and did at times last year for Syracuse. But... Beheim didn't like his defense, so he got pulled a lot. I was talking about Robert Braswell. Braswell kind of replaced him towards the end of the season. Griffin uh, played for the Lakers in the Summer League. He didn't get drafted. And he's playing on the Westchester Knicks in the G League right now. Griffin was an interesting case because he had already transferred from Illinois and just didn't think he'd transfer again. And he may have looked at the situation with Syracuse and thought, I kind of fell out of favor with Jim Beheim. so what's my option? Go to another school, my third school, or try to play pro? And his father played pro, Adrian Griffin, and so he had the pedigree. I don't know if he'll ever make the pros, but right now for the Westchester Knicks in two games, he's averaging 17 points per game and shooting 48%. And he came off the game in the... G League showcase that was in Las Vegas. He had 22 points and shot 7 to 15. So it's hard to say to a guy that plays that well in the G League, you you should have stayed in college. It's always kind of a debate. Is the G League better than college? Well, I'd only say yes now because if you see what's happening with all the COVID, guys are getting called up and getting two-way contracts a lot in the NBA and players are out more. So there's more chance for him to maybe step into a 10-day contract or get called up or Someone notices him more because they need players just to fill out their roster in the NBA. So that made the spring kind of busy for Syracuse Athletics. As you may know, they brought in 
a few transfers in a freshman this year. Cole Swatter from Villanova. Brought in Samir Torrance from Marquette. Jimmy Beheim, which was a big one, obviously. Jim Beheim's other son from Cornell. Cornell didn't play last season. He got his degree from Cornell decided to come to Syracuse. And Benny Williams, the freshman phenom, five-star recruit coming in. So I'll talk about those guys in a little bit. I want to talk about Syracuse program over the summer a little bit. It's not totally the Syracuse program anymore. It's more of the alumni. You know, Jeremy Grant made the Olympic team. Unfortunately, he didn't play that much, but enough that he got noticed to play on the team, I think it says something about him because his career started off as a role player. He's got a starring role at Detroit right now. Grant, his first season with Philadelphia, averaged 6.3 points per game. Last year with Detroit, averaged 22.3, and this year he's averaging 20.1. He really started getting noticed playing on the Nuggets a couple years ago. He played LeBron James really well. He had some clutch shots for Denver. Got that big contract for Detroit and keeps showing how much better he is. I try to find a comparison to Jeremy Grant as far as someone going from 6 points a game to 22 points a game. I didn't find anything. I looked on NBA.com. I looked on Sports Reference. I even asked Sports Reference, is there a way to find that out? And they said no. So I kind of just took it in a more smaller scale and looked at all the Syracuse players that played in the NBA, and no one has done that. No one. So he's the only one that's jumped like that from Syracuse. I'm willing to bet there's not that many guys in the NBA that's jumped like that either in that time period. It's not like he just did it in one season. He went from 2014. Yes, he increased his points a few times there in between that, but not that jump. So good for Jeremy Grant. The other thing that happened over the summer was Bayheim's Army, which is a team mostly comprised of Syracuse alumni, won the basketball tournament, better known as the TBT. This time, this Bayheim's Army had grabbed a couple guys from other teams. Kiefer Sykes was the hero hitting the three-pointer. That was pretty cool to see Syracuse win a championship, AKA Bayheim's Army. Uh, they wear the colors. Most of the guys on the team, Diebendorf was one of the main guys on the team for a long time. And it was cool to see him win. So Syracuse had some bright moments in the summer. As far as approaching, I know a lot of people are concentrating on football. I don't really watch Syracuse football anymore. It's just been a disappointment, so I'm more about basketball. So I was kind of looking at the team. And they came out the first two games. They looked really good, and they lost to Colgate, giving up 100 points. Colgate's only 15 in history to score 100-plus points in the Dome. And I kind of felt the team was going to be a bubble team, and they are a bubble team. And because they're a bubble team, they're up and down, and they have new players, as I mentioned, Swider, Torrance, Benny Williams, Jimmy Beheim. Team's completely different than last year. Not as athletic, can shoot from the outside, can't really rebound that well. Defensively, they need a lot of work. And so last week, right before Christmas, I had asked for a few presents from the team. First player I wanted a present from was Cole Swatter. I really want him to play within himself, meaning don't jack up threes when they're contested. Go to the basket a little bit more, shoot 15 footers, get to the foul line. And I know people were really high on him coming into the program and shooters got to shoot. I get all that. But... He was taking shots that he just shouldn't take. And I think from that standpoint, I got part of my present because in the last two games, 
he has shot six for eight from three because most of them are not contested and they're good shots in rhythm or wide open. He didn't miss against Brown. He only missed two against Cornell. From two, in the last two games, he's been six of 11. And what I do like is the volume is not crazy, either from three or two. Overall, he's playing pretty well the last two games. He did miss his foul shots in the Brown game, which is unlike him, but I'm not too worried. I think he's a good foul shooter. It's very similar to when you ask for a certain shirt for Christmas and you get a sweater or a pullover. But in this case, I think the pullover is much better than the shirt I asked for. So I'll take the pullover. I'll take Swider's game that he's played the last two games for the rest of the season. The next guy on the list is Joseph Girard. And I'd ask for a better assist-to-turnover ratio, essentially being a better point guard. Now, if you listen to the Dome Dog podcast in the last year, you know that I've talked about Joseph Girard at length. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a good point guard. At times, he shows signs of a really good point guard where he makes some great passes, but he also makes some really bad passes and decisions. Good shooter. But in the last two games, his assist-to-turnover ratio is 12 assists to 8 turnovers. And against Brown, it wasn't too bad. It was 7-3. to three, But then against Cornell, it was 5-5. to five. You can't be a point guard in the ACC with a 5-5 five to five or 1-1 one to one assist-to-turnover ratio. That's got to be better. I know it's only two games, but it seems to be a pattern now for the whole season where you may play one good game, then one bad game. Jim Beheim referred to that in the press conference after the game against Cornell, saying Joe couldn't handle the pressure, he didn't shoot the ball well from outside, and so he didn't really have a good game. Before I go back into more starters, I want to kind of touch on Samir Torrance because I think it's related to Joseph Girard. You know, I'd ask the bench to give me something to play well. Didn't have to be scoring. Didn't just had to give a surge. And I think against Brown, Samir Torrance was really good. He had seven assists and no turnovers. Against Cornell, he had four assists and two turnovers. And one play in particular, if you watch the game, if you didn't watch the game, he had a two-on-one with Girard. And all he had to do was pass the ball to Gerard, and Gerard had a layup, and he didn't. He tried to take it himself, and he got chewed out by Beheim, rightly so, on the sideline. He came out of the game, kind of mouthing him, saying, are you a point guard? Are you a point guard? And you could see him shake his head. He said, well, you got to make that pass. Something along those lines. Probably a little more colorful language, but... The, the team, at times in the Cornell game, looked like they were out of it, and especially Torrance. So I'm, I'm mentioning Torrance because... I don't think Gerard can be his best self unless Torrance is his best self, meaning if they play together, it can work, but Torrance has to make better decisions on offense. Gerard needs to run off screens and hit jumpers for him to be at his best. I think once he makes a couple shots, his decision-making with assists are just better. While Gerard and Torrance may compete for playing time, I believe that their success depends on each other and they need to be in sync when they're both on the floor. Next player I want to talk about is Buddy Beheim. And Buddy, I believe, delivered the present that I wanted. I said he needs to go to the basket more, shoot the two, don't worry about the three so much. And the last two games, 14 to 23 from, from two, 61%. From three, six to 12, 50%. And from the foul line, a perfect four for four. So I think 
that time off did Buddy some good, looking at the tape and saying, hey, I can take these guys off the dribble. He definitely took advantage of the players guarding him the last two games. I think for the rest of the season, that should be his mantra or motto, whatever you want to call it. And think about going to the basket first. The three will fall after those twos go in because the confidence was just building. You could see it. So thanks to Buddy for that Christmas present. His brother Jimmy, on the other hand, still struggles from the foul line. He's only shot five foul shots in the last two games, three for five from the line. Got to be better. Jesse Edwards, I asked him to get more rebounds, not foul out, and shoot better from the foul line. Well, last two games, six and eight respectively, got to be better than that. Got to get at least 10. So we'll see what happens against Virginia this weekend. The foul line, five for 10. He fouled out against Cornell. Can't do that. And Jim Baham after the game, talked about how the ball was just taken from him sometimes. Edwards can't allow that. He's got to own that paint, and he's got to own those rebounds. He can't let little guys get in there and sneak the ball away from him, which happened multiple times against Cornell. So Edwards did not give me the present I wanted. Still got time, though. Maybe a New Year's gift. <laughs> and I already talked about the bench. I, I think Torrance is, is key. You know, Anselm is, is coming along. Uh, Barama Sidibe made his debut. He may not be in the rotation to get a couple minutes here and there just to spell Edwards. We'll see what he can do. You know, he's very frail. He's gotten injured a ton in the last two years, so we'll see it there. The other person I wanted a present or presents from was Jim Beheim. I asked for different lineups, different substitutions, and definitely got that in the last two games where he was playing guys that were playing well against Brown. Cornell, he was mixing it up. Because, as I mentioned, Gerard struggled at times, so did Torrance. And I think that's good because getting into ACC play, you know, becomes tougher. Teams are better. Syracuse is not going to play the third game in a week. They're going to play Virginia on Saturday. Virginia hasn't played a game since December 22nd. And I mentioned adjustments and changes and different looks and maybe press. Bayheim's greatest adjustment was 2016 against Virginia in the lead eight. He put the press on. The press in that game was unbelievable. Just was. Syracuse was down 54-39 with nine and a half minutes to go. They finished the game on a 29-8 run. Malachi Richardson and Tyler Lydon were great in that game. It just was crazy to watch that game unfold. And Virginia had beaten Syracuse all three times they played while in the ACC. So it was significant because Syracuse got over the hump against Virginia they made that, that comeback. It stopped Virginia from going to the Final Four, put Syracuse in the Final Four again. Syracuse was a 10 seed. There's a lot of things at once that just made that game very significant. And I think besides Duke, Virginia is Syracuse's biggest rival in the ACC just because of that game and Virginia's dominance of defense. And they dominated Syracuse since Syracuse has been in the ACC, beating them nine times. And Syracuse only won three times, but the three times were all kind of big times. The game I just mentioned in 2016 NCAA tournament, the following season in 2017, Syracuse was down by 12 to Virginia at home in the Carrier Dome, outscored them 44 to 28, using the press against Virginia to come back in that game. And then last season, Syracuse defeated Virginia 
in Charlottesville in overtime. Not a very good offensive game, but Buddy Beheim took that long shot and it went in and sealed the game for them pretty much. And then, so there's been some dramatic games between Virginia and Syracuse and also last year in the ACC tournament, Reese Beekman had a buzzer beater three to beat Syracuse in the ACC tournament. Many thought they might have put Syracuse out of the NCAA tournament. It didn't. Syracuse ended up going to the Sweet 16 while Virginia lost in the first round last year. He's back on the team. Kihei Clark, he's a short little point guard. He's very quick, but really could never handle the Syracuse pressure, so I would be pressuring him if I were Syracuse in this game. Virginia added a couple of transfers. Jaden Gardner from East Carolina and Armand Franklin from Indiana. They're two leading scorers on the team right now. But this is not the same Virginia team. A little bit down, probably the worst team under Tony Bennett, the coach. 7-5, and five, they lost to JMU, they lost to Navy. So right now, this matchup on Saturday is two 7-5 teams that are fighting for their NCAA tournament life, and Virginia has bad losses. So does Syracuse. And if it comes down to it at the end of the season, if they're both equal, you know, who won these games, it's important. Game versus Virginia is at 6 o'clock on Saturday, New Year's Day. ACC Network on TV. Cubes.com for radio. Game was supposed to be at 8 o'clock, but the game was moved up. Usually a day for football, but these days basketball is played. On- I want to thank everyone again for listening to the Dome Dog podcast, supporting me in the last year. I really appreciate it. If you have any New Year's resolutions, please be one that you'll engage with me more in the next year. Whether it's on the Facebook page, on Twitter, on Instagram on the comment section of any of the podcast platforms. Any and all feedback I'll take, I like, and thank you very much. Happy New Year, everyone. Just got one sponsor today, and it's a good one for the holiday season. Check it out. The Dome Dog Podcast is brought to you by Matt's Magic Mix. Just one cup will give you the courage to tell that annoying relative to shut up. Thanks for listening to the Dome Dog Podcast. Now available on Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Please join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Dome Dog Pod. That's D-O-M-E-D-A-W-G-P-O-D.